Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie Peart, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Salty Science Podcast. In this episode, we're going to start our discussion on light in the ocean. There are many different sources of light found in the ocean, from electromagnetic radiation to biochemical reactions, also known as bioluminescence, and the light in the ocean serves many different purposes, from visibility to photosynthesis to predator avoidance and or detection, as well as alluring prey and even attracting a mate. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the biggest source of light in the ocean, by which of course I mean that grand celestial body, the sun. And in the next episode, we'll focus on the different marine organisms and fish who also contribute to the light found in the ocean. So let's dive in. So as you'll recall from episode 3 and 4, the sun is this massive ball of different hot gases, but mainly hydrogen and helium. And because the sun is so large, there's a lot of pressure at its core, and this pressure squeezes two hydrogen atoms into one helium atom in a process called nuclear fusion. And when this happens, a whole lot of energy is released in the form of electromagnetic radiation. And then this radiation energy travels through the vacuum of space from the sun to the earth in about 8.2 minutes. And while the sun like a black body, emits a full spectrum of radiation wavelengths. It's mainly the UV visible and infrared wavelengths that penetrate through our atmosphere. And the portion of this radiation energy that reaches the surface of the ocean we call insulation. So where does light come into play? good question. Light, or what we know as light, exists in that very small portion of the electromagnetic radiation spectrum that we call the visible spectrum. And why is it called visible? Because it's that portion of radiation that we can see and helps us to see the world around us. And when it comes to the sun, we also refer to this visible spectrum as sunlight. So light is a form of electromagnetic radiation. And just like it travels through our atmosphere on a nice sunny day, it also travels or propagates through the waters of the ocean. However, the intensity of the sunlight decreases very rapidly with depth. Or in marine science, we say that it decreases exponentially with depth. And this exponential loss of intensity, we call attenuation or light attenuation. And you may have noticed this concept the last time you were swimming in the ocean or in a lake or in a really deep swimming pool, or even if you're on a boat looking at something that was lowered into the water. Or also now that I think about it, if you've been scuba diving or snorkeling, you'll notice that the water looks darker the deeper you go down. Or if you were on a boat and lowered something, even say like a fishing line into the water or a bucket, it looks like it's getting darker and darker until it disappears. Or even if you've never ever been to a beach or near any type of water body, you can still see this concept in the movies and different TV shows as well as cartoons, where the deeper someone goes in the water, the darker it gets, and we call this decrease in light intensity, light attenuation. And marine scientists, including myself, use a special equation derived from Beer's Law to calculate light intensities at different depths. However, we also have different types of equipment and sensors that we can deploy that will measure light intensities for us. One famous one that doesn't require batteries is called a Secchi disk. And then we have more advanced sensors that can measure very low levels of light. And don't worry, I'll be posting pictures on the Salty Science Weebly page. Okay, so we know that light levels decrease the deeper you go in the ocean, but why? Well, it comes down to two main reasons, absorption and scattering. So let's first talk about absorption. So we talked a little bit about absorption with respect to surface ocean temperatures, where the ocean absorbs the electromagnetic radiation energy from the sun and transforms it into heat energy. Well, light is a portion of the electromagnetic radiation energy that the ocean receives, and so it also gets absorbed. However, the water itself is not the only thing absorbing this light or visible electromagnetic radiation. 
other things are also absorbing the light. For example, you have algae and phytoplankton who are absorbing light, but in their case, they're converting it to chemical energy and processes such as photosynthesis. But then when it comes to absorbance, you also have other small particles in the water that also absorb light. And marine scientists will classify these particles, so you may hear terms like inorganic and organic particulate matter or dissolved organic compounds, and basically anything else, whether we can see it or not, if it's in the water, it can absorb light. So now let's talk about the other main cause of light attenuation, scattering. So scattering just means that the direction of the electromagnetic radiation or energy or light changes as a result of reflection. And you may have noticed this if you've ever played with a flashlight or a laser pointer. If you shine a light on something that is kind of reflective or shiny, the light can bend and shine somewhere else. For example, if you turn off the lights and shine a flashlight on a metal spoon, the light scatters as it hits the spoon and bounces off the spoon and can shine in a lot of different spots. And if you've never done this before, when you get home, try this out. It's pretty cool. So when it comes to the ocean, instead of spoons in the water, you have all these tiny particles that are pretty much doing the same thing as the spoon. They're scattering the sunlight in the water, which then also contributes to the light attenuation in the ocean. And here's a fun but very important side fact. The greater the amount of particles or suspended matter in the water, which we also refer to as turbidity, the greater the degree of absorption and scattering, and therefore the faster the light is attenuated within the water column. Or in other words, the water gets darker at a shallower depth. And what's really cool is that from this little bit of knowledge, we can already start to infer information about the ocean at different locations. For example, when I'm scuba diving in the Florida Keys, say at noon on a bright sunny day, I can dive deeper down in the water before things start to look dark or darker. As compared to when I'm scuba diving in New Jersey or Virginia, under the same light conditions, I can't go as deep before the water starts to look darker. So just from that piece of information, I can infer that the waters of the Florida Keys must have less stuff in it than the waters off the Jersey coast, which is actually true and we will get into this in more detail in future episodes. Okay, so we've been talking so far about the sun and the light from the sun entering the ocean, but then the light gets attenuated due to absorption and scattering. But now let's go over some of the terms marine scientists use to describe the different light levels in the ocean. So I'll say it right now, marine scientists, we like to think of the ocean in terms of zones. And there are three main terms or zones that we use when referring to the different light levels in the ocean. And the terms are euphotic zone, dysphotic zone, and aphotic zone. So where are these zones and what do they mean? So let's start out with the term photic. The word photic means relating to light. So when you hear the word photic, start thinking light. So when we say the word euphotic, okay, already we hear the photic, so we know that we're talking about light or something relating to light. But what does you, spelled E-U, mean? Well, you comes from the Greek meaning good or well. So when we put it together with photic, we get euphotic, in which combined means good light, or in other words, a well-lit area. And so in terms of oceanography and marine science, we refer to the area that is well-lit or has plenty of light as the euphotic zone. And we generally say that the bottom of the euphotic zone is wherever the light level becomes only 1% of the total amount of light right above the surface of the water. And marine scientists have different types of sensors that we can deploy off the side of the boat or a dock into the water to measure the different light levels in the water as well as at the very surface of the water. And as you can imagine, because we define the bottom boundary of the euphotic zone being the depth at which the light levels are 1% of the sunlight at the surface of the water, 
Naturally, this means that the depth of the euphotic zone can change with the different times of day, different seasons, as well as with different locations. But when looking at the big picture, and after lots and lots of research, marine scientists generally agree that in coastal regions, we have a euphotic zone reaching about maybe 30 meters deep, or about 98 feet deep. While the open ocean typically has a euphotic zone that is 100 to 200 to even 300 meters deep, or about 300 to 1,000 feet deep. And again, this will vary from location to location, but for right now, we're just talking about general trends. Okay, so you have the euphotic zone where there is lots of light, which means that there's plenty of light for phytoplankton to start photosynthesizing, which means different animals can eat and breathe, including ourselves. And then as we travel deeper down into the ocean and the light level is only 1% of the level at the surface, our euphotic zone ends and we now enter the dysphotic zone. Or you may have also heard of this region referred to as the twilight zone. And dysphotic just means poorly lit. And so in this region, the dysphotic zone or the twilight zone still has some light. It's not totally or completely dark, which is actually the region we call the aphotic zone where there is zero sunlight available. And of course, aphotic means no light or without light. And just a side fact, some marine scientists divide the ocean just into the euphotic and the aphotic zones. But when I start studying the different adaptations of deep sea organisms, it personally helps me to think of the ocean in the three layers or three zones because until you hit a region where there's 0% light, it still means that there's some sunlight available. And as we'll discuss in our next episode, just because I can't see, say, 0.5% light doesn't mean that there aren't fish that have special adaptations that allow them to see at these light levels. And so when dividing the ocean into the three different photic zones, the aphotic zone starts at about 1,000 meters deep, or just over a half a mile. And the aphotic zone goes all the way down to the bottom of the ocean, which on average is about 4,000 meters or about two and a half miles deep. And of course, the deepest part of the ocean is about 10,000 meters or just about seven miles deep. So from the start of the aphotic zone all the way down to the deepest part of the ocean, there is no sunlight. But is there light? Why, yes, of course. And we'll get into that in our next episode. Okay, so now it's time for our one minute summary. Okay, so in this episode, we discussed how the sun is one of the main sources of light in the ocean. And as light enters the ocean, it quickly gets absorbed and scattered by all the different tiny particles found in the water. And so the level of light decreases very quickly the deeper you go, and we call this rapid or exponential decrease of light, light attenuation. And the light is attenuated due to absorption and scattering from all the different tiny little particles found in the water. And the more particles in the water, the faster the light will attenuate and the darker it will get. And marine scientists tend to divide the ocean into three different zones based on light. The euphotic zone, which has lots of sunlight, and the dysphotic zone, which has a very small amount of sunlight, but still, it has sunlight. And then the aphotic zone, which is a region of the ocean that has absolutely no sunlight. And of course, the aphotic zone still has some light, it's just not coming from the sun. And that's our one minute summary of this episode. Okay, so now here's the big question. Why do we care? So here's one 
big reason why we care. Photosynthesis. In regions where there is plenty of light, marine plants can photosynthesize. And in the open ocean, this is done predominantly by phytoplankton. And just like on land where plants need sunlight to photosynthesize and grow, phytoplankton also need the same thing. And just like food webs on land, grass grows with the right amount of sunlight, and then the cows eat the grass, and then we eat hamburgers and steaks, etc. Well, something similar also happens in the ocean. Phytoplankton use sunlight to grow. And then if you like to eat seafood, guess what? All of the food webs, including oysters, clams, scallops, shrimp, and all your favorite fish start with phytoplankton. And then of course, the different light levels tell us about what's happening in the water. So going back to phytoplankton, in the euphotic zone, phytoplankton are able to photosynthesize and produce oxygen. But as you go deeper into the dysphotic zone and aphotic zone, the oxygen that we find there is not directly due to photosynthesis. And then in shallower systems like coastal areas and estuaries, we want to know how deep the light can travel because if it can make it all the way down to the bottom, then we know that different types of seagrasses and seaweeds and other types of plants have enough light to grow. Okay, so now I'll turn it over to you. What are some other reasons why we should care about the light in the ocean? And make sure you email me your answers at saltysignspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so until next time, don't forget to help keep our oceans clean and healthy by recycling and to always stay salty. Thank you for listening to Salty Science. But guess what? You don't have to let the fun end here. Go to www.saltysciencepodcast.weebly.com where I've posted some cool videos, my study notes, and some really neat experiments that you can try at home. And if you want to follow along with my own research, you can follow me on Instagram user handle Teps Adventure. That's T-E-P-S Adventure. All Salty Science episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and YouTube, plus a number of other podcasting apps. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes as this is the best way to spread the word about this podcast. Salty Science is listener supported, so if you would like to show your support, visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash salty science, where you can either make a one-time donation of any amount or join the Salty Science crew for as little as a dollar a month. So visit the Salty Science Patreon and sign up today.